I'm Joe from Pop X Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. Part of the Gonna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find more stunningly awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You are listening to the Starling Tribune, a podcast dedicated to the Arrow TV show. I am the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow has entered through the front door. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, situations, and stories are the properties of Time Warner. I am the Oracle, and this is your Tribune. Welcome back to Earth 2's favorite newspaper. We call it the Starling Tribune. I am the chief editor tonight. My name is SP. And your other award-winning reporters for this episode 242 of the Starling Tribune are Chris. Whatever, man pants. (laughs) And Michelle. I think we may have a Chucky situation here. It was totally a Chucky situation. Totally. I've forgotten how much of a Chucky situation this episode was. We'll talk about it in a second. This podcast is recorded on Thursday, June 6, 2019, live on www.geeks.live. That's right. And today we'll be discussing Legends of Tomorrow, as well as news, interviews, articles, and announcements that have dropped in the past couple weeks that could, and let's be honest, probably will impact future episodes of Legends, as well as the greater universe. So that's shows like The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Black Lightning, anything else they might come up with between now and the beginning of next season. If you're new to the show, thank you for searching us out on the internet and joining us. After the show, you can check out our content at gunnageek.com, where you can also find other geeky videos, podcasts, and articles. Thanks, guys. Michelle, it's been a while since we've talked Legends of Tomorrow, so why don't you go ahead and break down the episode for us? This episode is called Hell No, Dolly. It's Season 4, Episode 7. It aired Monday, December 3rd, 2018. Is directed by April Mullen. Credits include two episodes of Killjoys, three Legends, and four Winona Earp. Written by Grant Godfrey. Credits include four of the Tomorrow People, one Arrow, six Flash, and 15 episodes of Legends. And Morgan Faust. Credits include six episodes of Legends. When this episode aired in December of 2018, there was a full slate of shows that were showing on the CW. We're going to start on Sunday with Supergirl with the eighth episode of the fourth season, Bunker Hill, with a total rating, and this is live plus seven day DVR, of 2.26. On Monday, the 3rd of December, Arrow aired the eighth episode of the seventh season named On Mask to a total rating of 2.24. Following Arrow, this episode of Legends of Tomorrow aired and it had a total rating of 1.78. And Tuesday, the 4th of December, Flash aired the eighth episode of the fifth season, What's Past is Prologue to a total rating of 3.23. And following Flash on Tuesday, the 4th of December, Black Lightning aired the 8th episode of the second season titled The Book of Rebellion, Chapter 1, Exodus, to a total rating of 1.57. Now, these are seven-day DVR numbers, as we discussed a few weeks ago on the podcast. CW does not use the live or live plus seven day DVR numbers anymore because they use the online numbers, which we have not been able to uncover. However, it is clear that more people watch the flash than anything else. 
And that Supergirl and Arrow both got pretty good ratings and both Legends and Black Lightning had over 1.5 million people watch them over the course of seven days via the TV and I'm assuming DVR, but we have no idea about the streaming or anything else. I think this is pretty good, Michelle. What do you think? Yeah, again, they average about a million bump when you factor in the DVR and Flash sometimes actually will get up to like 1.5. Again, Flash is the most popular one. Now, Chris, you have not been watching Legends of Tomorrow, and you've been following it for this podcast, right? That is correct. I I started watching it live, got about two episodes in, then life got in the way. So I said, you know, I'm just going to catch up with these as we record the Legends specific episodes. And by life in the way, you mean like maybe the holidays and the fact that you were preparing to get married. Yeah, it was the whole getting married thing. So that kind of distracted me a little bit. Congratulations, Chris. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, the fact that Chris is married and back and better than ever. Better than, well, better than sometimes. I don't know. (laughs) We're going to talk about the overall theme for the episode. And usually we talk about the title leading to the overall theme because usually the writers and the producers, showrunners do an excellent job of forging ahead with the theme for the episode with the title. So, Michelle, what do you got for us this week? Well, it's the writers, again, taking the title of something that we know and using it for their own means. There is a movie called Hello, Dolly. In this case, it's Hell No, Dolly. We have the doll that is possessed by a serial killer known as Mike the Spike. But you can also perhaps say it's Zari trying to tell john constantine and charlie hell no you can't do that when it comes to breaking the timeline yeah there's bad news when you do that yes zari you know she's like i've tried that i've done time loopholes but you guess guess what this time this is fixed you have to join the legends if you don't you will basically destroy the world and kind of what happens but we'll get into that Yeah, Zari is an interesting character with all this because the one thing she wants to do is bring back her brother in the future because Zari is from the future, right? But she understands through everything that she has done that she can't do that. And she's actually broken the time loss for other people. She's found time loops. She's found loops in the timeline for other people so that they can get along a little bit better situation than they found themselves in and she can't do it herself which is so heartbreaking i know but she comes from that dystopian future it almost seems similar to the one that's in the flash forwards for arrow interesting i hadn't thought about that because these shows are linked now their timelines might not be linked especially in the future considering current events on both the flash and arrow but I could definitely see that. Interesting. I mean, they're not exactly the same. In hers, it's Argus taking control. But in the Arrow Flash Forward, it's, they don't call them Argus. Not really. It's uh, Nightwatch. But isn't Zari's future further ahead than the future we're getting in Arrow? No. Okay. Because Zari is like 10 years old in the future here. So... That takes place before the walls go up around the glades and, or we assume, takes place before everything we've seen with Green Arrow's daughter. So maybe they assume, oh, that's going to make the season finale really tough for this theory. I know a little bit about what happens. No spoilers for anyone. 
Hmm. Well, enough with the generalities of time. Let's talk about the time travel within the episode itself, Michelle. Yeah, we go to 1869 New Orleans. I love the scene on the ship. We learn Ava is a serial killer uh, aficionado. Apparently, she really gets into them and she knows like which ones killed the most and there is a question about a serial killer on a serial box which actually reminds me of this whole issue with neil gaiman and sandman and ava thinks it's you know this person and then ray is like no it's marie laveau and it's like that can't be possible and gideon right on time is like yes we indeed have a anomaly and we have to go to it and really, it was just a cool way of really making this a John Constantine episode. Well, first of all, everybody has their hobbies. And since Ava is basically an FBI agent, you can think of it in those terms. I'm not surprised that she has the hobby of looking into serial killers at all. It just fits her personality of who she is. And second of all, yes, it was a great way to inject a major Constantine storyline now, I've watched up into the mid-season finale, so I've seen, I think, two episodes after this, and that's it. I have not seen the second half of the season myself, but the episodes leading up to the mid-season finale were a major Constantine story, so we're going to get a lot of Constantine in the next couple episodes. In New Orleans, Constantine meets Laveau because he was dating her, what was it, great-great-great-great-grandson? There's a couple of greats in there, definitely. Yeah, it was a few generations. Yeah. But she's like, hey, it's a die book spirit. That's what you're looking for. And then, and then we, of course, we get the present with the Time Bureau where we get Mona's first day. And we get New Orleans five months ago where this is where Constantine is asking Charlie to help him basically ruin his life with Desmond. We learned about five, six months ago, he was in this great relationship with Desmond. They were in love. They were living together. And then this is when we learn about Neuron, the demon. And he's like, you know, I want to save Desmond. If I don't kill Desmond, if Desmond lives, then I'm not chased by Neuron and I don't feel guilty and I don't feel the need to join the legends. And that's where Zari is trying to step in and say, no, you can't do that. It breaks all the rules of timey-wimey, Jeremy, you know, bury me. He comes from the magical viewpoint of wanting to break all the magic rules. So I'm not surprised that he wants to blame the time rules as well, just to try to save Desmond, especially since he's responsible for sending Desmond into hell because he Desmond had... What did Desmond do? He attached himself to Neuron in order to save Constantine. Is that what he did? Basically traded his soul for John's in this case, it seemed like to me. Said, you can have me if you leave him alone. So it's very unfortunate, but Constantine knew what he had to do to abolish Neuron, and that included sending the love of his life in there. And it, it was love at first sight because they are attached to each other ever since when they first meet. And we go back to when they first meet both in his flashbacks that he's having to begin with, and then they actually go to the time of the date that they, they met. So you kind of see it almost happen. It didn't happen. And then 
it had to they had to break apart and it was just oh it was heartbreaking and you could just see Constantine is just heartbroken every step of the way and to have a warlock that is heartbroken and is willing to do anything in order to make it right there are some dangerous things here and poor Zari gets caught up in it as well I I really I remember watching it this first time I had the benefit of watching this now like four times throughout the intervening months. I was heartbroken the first time I watched this and what happened to Zari. And it's all because of Constantine. I want to say he's being selfish, but he's not. He's thinking in terms of Desmond. But anyway, Constantine is the reason that Zari gets the shaft. And this is when we learn about Neron wanting to take over hell. And Constantine realizes that Neron needs souls in order to do this. And he realizes that, yes, he sent Neron back to hell. However, he didn't stop Neron completely. And he's just trying to get prepared to figure out what Neron's going to do next. And it's probably going to be bad. It's going to be bad. If I'm Constantine, I, I know I'd want to have a team behind me. And he is going so solo right now. He doesn't want anything to do with the Legends and they're probably his best bet at this point. I mean, I guess if he had a whole bunch of warlocks that would team up with him, that would be one thing. But he doesn't. All he's got is the legends. So I team up with them and he kind of throws them aside. He doesn't tell them what's really going on until it's too late. Zari figures it out, but it's too late for her at the end. And what's interesting, I remember watching this the first time as well. At the end of the episode, you have the stop motion where everybody's in the air on the wave rider that's in the control room in the wave rider. Not everybody's there, but everybody that who's there is up in the air fighting the doll. And you don't know what happens to them at the end. And the time wave comes through and it's, uh, I don't know. We, we have to get to, I remember watching this and thinking, I can't wait a week to watch this, but I had to because I had to wait for the episode. You know, I am seriously considering going up and just watching the next episode after we get done recording this, but I'm trying to stay true to the experience I promised, which is try and watch them closer to the record date to simulate watching them week by week when you guys had to. I'll tell you what, Chris, since you're a newlywed, this is our wedding gift to you. You can go up right now. We'll stop. We'll wait. You can go up and watch the episode and, and then come back. But we have to talk about this episode first. Oh, okay. I mean, we can't talk about the next episode after you come back. You know, I imagine that stuff and things happen in the next episode, and that's probably what we should leave it at. For now, until next week. Until next week. Okay. Well, I'm on board with this idea. How do we think Sarah did as a captain? There was this joke about how she was like, you know, me and Rory and such, we'll go do this, and then Zari and, and Co., you do that. And then there was like, oh yeah, the B team. I liked that line because it's the same kind of joke you would see on the internet when people were talking about like, oh, the A team and the B team again. And it's like they're playing into the joke that folks and commenters and potentially some trolls on the internet would make as well. It depends episode to episode because sometimes all the teams are equal. They're all pulling together. And sometimes you do have an A story, B story and C story that are ranked that way. And it just depends on how they've able to bring the episode together. And one could argue that maybe that's a result of the series having too many episodes per each series. Like if you would cut three episodes out of each series, like season three, season four, whatever, maybe that you'd get more equal action between all the teams. 
in this case, it, it's just kind of funny the way it, it rolls out because you do have to have people separated in order for the things to happen. So you asked how would we rate Sarah, though, in the episode as a leader. She's doing great trying to figure it out between Rory and Ava because they are they're really clashing with each other right now, as you would expect, because Ava's a law person and Rory's a criminal. And she's doing a good job at that, but she's not doing such a hot job of really monitoring everything that's going on until it affects her ship. And then she's like, oh, we need to find the doll with the die bucks loose. But then she's totally lost track of Constantine and what he's trying to do. And Zari and Sarah, if they would only talk a little bit more. Now, remember, it's been a while since we watched any of this stuff with Legends of Tomorrow, but Sarah and Zari had kind of a coming together story arc, but they're not completely best buds yet. And I think if they would have trusted each other a little bit more and been able to communicate a little bit more in this episode, I think it would have been better for the team. Worse for the story, of course, because we wouldn't have everything falling apart. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would give Sarah a, a, almost a, like a nine in dealing with Rory and Ava. But with dealing with the rest of the team, it's like a five. Well, let's also remember, though, Sarah did plan for the fact that Constantine could and probably would go rogue because he doesn't like to wear his earpiece and stuff and basically laced all of his boxers with trackers so that they would have a way to find him. She just kind of underestimated, and I think everyone did, to be fair, the extent to which Constantine would go when he goes off, off the grid and goes rogue. They don't think anyone expected him to try and change the past and cause this temporal shockwave when it's all said and done. I think Zari was trying to be like the big sister who doesn't want the little brother to get in trouble. I think she was trying to cover up and fix, sort of like be like, okay, I'm captain of this little section. I can handle it. I'll set Constantine right and then tell Sarah so it just so to know. But again, like you said, Zari underestimated Constantine, didn't realize that he would uh, go in the past commando. <laughs> and I, I don't know about forcing Ava and Rory, because the big conflict that they actually have, Ava is the law. Rory still has that diary. Well, had. Had. Had, because Ava gets it back. But in a way, Rory... Sarah was right. Rory wasn't doing anything bad with it. And I don't think he was actually going to plan on doing anything bad. He was doing something romantic. Let's call it romantic. <laughs> but you got to think, if you're Ava, Rory's reputation precedes him. He was, a, he was a bad guy for a long time in Central City, one of the Flash's rogues. He joins Rip Hunter's crew, not necessarily because he wants to, but because that's where his buddy goes, and it's a chance to punch Nazis and things like that. And then he becomes Kronos, and he's always been a bad guy. You could argue he's turned into more of kind of an anti-hero kind of thing at this point in time, like a, a Deadpool light almost, where he does the right thing, but not necessarily because he wants to, but because that's what everyone else does, and he has fun finding bad ways to do the right thing. So... He has a reputation that if you are someone whose life is built around law and order and rules, as Ava's life is very much built around rules, it seems, 
that would rub you the wrong way and you would have a hard time trusting him with such a powerful artifact as the diary. Now, I'm not saying it's right that she just goes and steals it from him when he's not paying attention, but I sort of see where she's coming from. And from Rory's point of view, you sort of see where he might be coming from. This is a woman who is all about the rules. He's not about the rules and is coming in and taking a bunch of time with Sarah, who though Rory would never admit it's probably one of his best friends on the ship at this point in time that he enjoys bantering with and their weird relationship. So maybe part of that comes into play, that he doesn't like losing his friend as much and doesn't like the way that the flow of things on the ship changes when she's on there in part. I don't know. I could be reading way, way too much into things. That's actually a really good point. There are people who sometimes when they get into a new relationship, it's not like they abandon their friends, but they, they need to make room for this new person that they love and kind of start to split the time a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. See, I don't think Mick would ever admit it, but he, Sarah, and Ray, they're probably pretty good friends because they're the last of the original crew that, well, and Gideon, of course, the last of the original crew of the legend. They've been through hell multiple times together. So there's a relationship there. And Mick is never one to speak about his feelings, but you can tell he at least respects all of them and probably enjoys his time with them to some extent. So change is hard. Maybe that grates on him a little bit too. I know what would have solved everybody's issues with the team this week what's that sp a barista you son of a gun (laughs) well you brought up the original team so i thought i would bring it up (laughs) i lost you man you did yeah i would have to rate sarah kind of low because she actually looks at the burnt doll and is right horror movie 101 the doll always comes back but they only chain it they don't do anything else to it and I don't know why she's surprised that it leaves and finds another doll, that being the puppet of Martin Stein, brought to you by Citizen Cold. So that was a nice callback. So I wasn't sure why they didn't just toss in their nice jail cell slash containment cell that they have. Better safe than sorry. Because like you said, and she said, the doll always comes back to life or something to that effect. You got a nice jail cell that can arguably contain many different things. I wonder if it could have contained the spirit of uh, the killer or whatnot. You actually have two containment vessels on board the Wave Rider. First of all, there is that glass jail cell. Second of all, there is in the middle of the lab, they have that force field that they had Charlie in a couple episodes ago. They could have put the beast in there. Well, they've learned enough and Ray learned enough at least to cast a, uh, a spell that contained Damien Dark via magic. So. There's a potential few different things they could have done there, but again, I think they just discount it because like, oh, this thing's burned to a crisp. We're good. Haha, <laughs> let's talk about a horror movie trope. This couldn't happen to us. Yeah, I can sort of see where you might underestimate it because you're like, oh, it's just a horror movie trope. That's not actually going to happen. By the way, I have nothing against Muppets whatsoever, but after watching this, every time I want to go and burn every single doll that I can in the house. <laughs> I know, dolls can be creepy. Creepy. Another thing that kind of creeped me out was Ray's mustache. <laughs> you don't like Ray with the, uh, with the, what do we call it? Hashtag porn stash? No. I thought that was hilarious because one of the Hallmark movies that Brandon Roth has done was as a fireman. And I was watching him and I was like, that is totally a fireman's mustache. I don't know what it was. Just, I don't know if it was because it was a low quality fake mustache. 
or I'm just not used to seeing that on him. But I just, yeah, it just, no, I didn't like it. I'll grow that mustache for you right now. By next week, it'll be in. I want to see this. And then I want you to grow out to a handlebar stash. Straight Hulk Hogan style. I could do that, Chris. You know this. Will you bleach it for us like Hulk Hogan does? Uh, Bleach it what? Blonde? Yeah, he bleaches his stash blonde. Oh, that would be interesting. Although I'm in the midst of allergy season right now, so that would make me miserable. So I better back up and rethink this. But I could grow it in like two weeks, so I don't know. Well, when it gets to be the October-November time, listener, you make sure you tweet us and remind us that SPS to grow a mustache for us. I'd be fine with that. I could grow a mustache, and then uh, before I grow my beard this winter, I could do that. Look, listener, I'm putting it on you because I know I'm going to forget. So please tweet at Starling Tribune sometime in October, November, and be like, hey, Chris, tell SP to grow a mustache. And I'll go, oh, yeah, we talked about that in the summer. And I'll probably laugh and hopefully remember to mention on the next episode we record. We had another little story, and that involves Nate, Mona, and Gary, because it's Mona's first day, and it's not starting off really well. I felt really bad for Gary in general. I just, he's a fan favorite, right? And the awkwardness, you feel bad for him, but his initial connection with Mona that in the morning at the time bureau, that was creepy. I was watching that again going, Oh dude, just, Oh no, no, just let her go. No. Oh, that was just so bad. And it's kind of hard to feel bad for him when he does that, but. I feel bad for him in general, so I don't know if that balances out. (laughs) I know what it's like to be socially awkward, because I am socially awkward. And I just do, I feel for Gary. Sometimes you don't know how to read a room, and you just don't know when to say the right thing. And you want to be pleasant, because he's like a happy person who just doesn't get how to interact socially. And he does go to Nate for help. And Nate really doesn't help much. Nate's not the best person to go to when it comes to relationship advice or playing the role of wingman, though. Let's be honest. He's not the smoothest guy in the room, either. He's not cooler than the other side of the pillow like one Billy D. Williams. <laughs> I don't think anybody's as cool as Billy D. Williams. You're probably right. I mean, man, after seeing him in person again a couple months ago at uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago, it, it is amazing what he's able to pull off. So... I can't hold anybody up to that level of of standard, but Nate is he is trying to help. And in any normal situation, I think he would be helping. He just fails to understand that he's not in a normal situation. Yeah, because we find out Mona has a crush on Kanone, a creature from ancient Hawaii. And this is when we learn that creatures are being taken and hurt. Oh, that was... And at the end of the last episode, didn't we see Nate's dad uh, on the phone with somebody saying, yes, this project is a go or whatever. So you kind of get that creepy vibe from his dad throughout all this, although it was not played out in this episode. And and from what we've learned, we've talked about this story before that that storyline was actually changed. But this was the start of that storyline. I could completely see it going one way anyway. Yes. So somebody in the government is trying to harness the abilities of these magical creatures somehow or do uh, experimentation on them or whatever and they're doing it with pain they're doing it with bondage you know the chains that are uh, used as handcuffs 
And it, it just breaks your heart when you, you see that because you see Kanone in his gentle moments with Mona and then you see him do this and then they just, they in, invoke the rage in him to the point where he hurts Mona and then he runs away because he can't stand what he did. And it's just a terrible situation for everybody. And it's all caused because they're doing experimentation on him. So, Chris, is there anything else about the episode you want to talk about? R.I.P. Ray's mustache as he gets half of it cut off as he gets attacked by a puppet in the dark. Poor guy. He, he had Gideon grow it for him overnight. I guess he could have her stimulate the hair follicles on his upper lip like that. It made me laugh, though, because I think this... They did this gag on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and then like two or three months later, they did the exact same gag with someone having a computer stimulate their hair follicles overnight on the Orville as well. And I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> well, as soon as season three is over of the Orville, I'll be able to see it. <laughs> SP? Well, you know, Ray Palmer is a guy who is imaginative and inventive. He's amazing. And I think this experience is going to cause him to invent a safer razor that will turn itself off when the light goes off in the room or on you know when there's suddenly a huge light change i think that he's going to invent a safer razor that way and and cause that this issue will not happen ever again so i think we're going to be looking out for the palmer tech razor in your christmas shopping in 2019 I think that would be great for people who care about not losing their mustache in a darkness-related accident. You don't think you can just put, like, a little flashlight thing on it? Well, I think there's also, you know, he's aboard the Wave Rider, right? So the loss of light also could come at a time where there's a sudden jar or a, 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 it's called a jerk. It's an acceleration of an acceleration, right? So I think that the change of light coupled with an accelerometer in there. I think that would be good. So yeah, he could do both and they could be separate sensors as well and make an even better razor all for your uh, male significant friend that you wish to buy a present for in 1999 plus shipping and handling next year. Shipping and handling is $24.95 by the way, guys. Anything else about the episode SP you want to talk about? I think you nailed it before about the fact that this set off the major Constantine arc. And a lot of people were, I, I've heard some reviews from different people that have watched the season and they either liked or did not like the whole Constantine thing. I am just looking forward to seeing it because I know that uh, Matt is an amazing actor. He came back specifically to do this and I can't wait to see the rest of it. Well said. Well, we see the ramifications of Constantine breaking time on the next episode, which is called Legends of To Meow Meow. It is season four, episode eight. It aired Monday, December 10th, 2018. After Constantine breaks the cardinal rule, he, Charlie, and Zari try to deal with the ramifications without telling anyone else. Directed by Ben hernandez Prey, written by James Egan and Ray Utarnichit. Live from the Starling Tribune main news desk on floor 52 of the Starling Tribune Tower, it's a weekly news roundup of the award-winning chief news anchor, Michelle Ely. And now, Michelle Ely. Thanks, SP. I actually have news this week. <gasps> I know. I'm shocked we actually have some news in this off-season period. 
Well, there's a lot to cover, especially with Arrow heading to its finale. First bit, Arrow promotes Joseph David Jones to series regular for final season. You remember he plays Connor Hawk in the flash forwards. This means we're going to get the flash forwards in our final season of Arrow. Mm, okay, I I'll give you that it's most likely scenario, yes. But with all the time dilation and everything, it's not a guaranteed thing at this point. But I'd be, I'll admit that it's 95% probably true. Probably, yeah. And it'll be fun seeing Con Every time Connor was on screen, he had a great rapport with Mia. And it's just going to be fun seeing them go back and forth. Exactly. Talking about timey-wimey such, Arrowverse, the CW chief, details Crisis on Infinite Earths mega event. The crossover next fall will unite the entire Arrowverse family of franchises, Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Batwoman in a five-episode epic that will span two quarters. Three episodes will air in December, with the two concluding installments arriving in January. Legends won't be on the fall schedule, so it premieres in January, which locks it in as one of the host series for the final two episodes. The crossover will link the final season of Arrow, the original brand that leads, lends its name to Arrowverse Collective, with the inaugural season of Batwoman. Well, I'm glad Legends gets to play this season. Span two quarters. What does that mean, two quarters? There's four quarters in TV land. Oh. It goes from... The end of like what the that mid season finale, and then it would go into like the winter premiere territory. They could actually kick it off like with the first episode of one of these franchises and then sprinkle in the crossover throughout the wow, that's a little bit different than what they've done in the past where it's all been in the, the same like two day or three day arc. I think how it reads to me is what we're gonna get is three episodes of crossover mid-season finale time break time come back final two episodes of crossover in january so we're gonna get a cliffhanger i think that's gonna be rough oh so like an epilogue but haven't we said that arrow will conclude in 2018 so arrow's done in december right right so maybe that that's what ends arrow and then we get a little Stephen amell and such to wrap it up in the legends of tomorrow episodes and flash episodes or if not Stephen amell like the rest of the of the team as it filters if any of the team filters into other shows to, to me it sounds like we're getting something similar to what you've seen with the end game and infinity war movies which is they're really one epic but split into two and you get a break between them so that's what crisis is going to be is one epic but it's split into two pieces so you get part one then merry christmas everyone or happy holidays or whatever holiday you celebrate during this time have fun digesting this and coming up with all your fan theories for the next 30, 40 days, and we'll see you when you come back. I would liken it to the crossover in December 2018 is equal to Infinity War. The crossover in 2019 is equal to Endgame, and then the episodes in January of 2020 will be equivalent of the spider-man far from home epilogue that would mean we actually get resolution in december and i would not be shocked if we get a cliffhanger of something bad happening and it ends and we don't get the cleanup until 2020 that, that's the route i'm going just because from a storytelling point of view if you hook people with a cliffhanger 
You're not going to have as many people going, oh, that's dumb. I don't want to watch this anymore because they get upset about how something ends because you'll never be able to make someone happy with how it ends. There's always going to be a population that's not going to be happy. It's a problem we run into with all sorts of things. Hook them with a cliffhanger. They'll come back in the back half. I would say that Batwoman would be one of those, like the crossover would lead to the start of Batwoman in January, but that's not the case, is it, Michelle? No, because that's my next piece of news is the fall schedule. Batwoman, starring Ruby Rose, will air on Sundays at 8 p.m. 7 Central, followed by Supergirl. So on Sundays, you'll have Batwoman, then Supergirl. Arrow moves to Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central for its final season, reuniting with The Flash, which will air at 8. So on Tuesdays, you'll get The Flash and then Arrow. Black Lightning is moving to Mondays at 9 p.m. 8 Central, which is after All-American. I like the pairings. I don't like how they put Batwoman ahead of Supergirl on Sunday. I think it should be the reverse based on how dark Batwoman is probably going to be. But that's just my two cents there. Uh, it's not going to matter in the fall. They're going up against Sunday Night Football, so a lot of people are going to be streaming at iWager. Mm, I do like that Arrow and The Flash are teamed up on Tuesdays. While I would think that Arrow would be the later one, usually I think it's best to have it be the lead-in for Flash, just rating-wise and everything. It Flash is the lead-in. Flash always has the numbers. Okay, I see it. That's how you draw some people in to hopefully pick up on the final season of Arrow is pull some of those numbers over to Arrow. That They're protecting it, I think. And I think they're putting Batwoman first because the last season of Supergirl wasn't all that great. And Batwoman has a lot of interest. So you get a lot of people to watch the new shiny thing and maybe some of them will stick around for Supergirl. Yeah, I'm sure the premiere numbers of Batwoman are going to be pretty solid. So the hope there is, oh, you just watched Batwoman. Let's lead you into Supergirl, which you all used to love. It might have might not have been as quite as good as you thought it should be last season. But hey, we've made some fixes. So so hang around and catch this. So in full disclosure, I've seen the series finales for everything but Legends of Tomorrow. So I've, I'm current on everything but Legends of Tomorrow. And Michelle, I think you're current on The Flash and Supergirl as well, right? Yes, I'm current on everything. Chris, did you follow either The Flash or Supergirl? I Only in passing. I, I read some recaps here and there, so I know the basics of what happened. So I know enough. Michelle and I have talked offline, and while The Flash ending wasn't the perfect, it, it, is, it makes sense to both of us how that came out. The Supergirl season, I don't know who came up with that storyline, but it wasn't the best all year round. It really wasn't. And it ended in a place where, I don't know, I I could care less about picking that up next season. So maybe doing this, having Batwoman first, will at least get me to check it out for the first couple of episodes and see if they've done a course correction off season. I hope they do because Supergirl does have a lot of promise to it. It does indeed. And that is it for the news. So, friendly reminder, folks, we are, in fact, part of a network of shows you can find over at GunnaGeek.com. There's 20-plus different shows in the network that cover a variety of different topics, be they gaming, specific television shows, general geek culture, tabletop gaming, you name it, we've probably got a show for you. And as much as I would love to tell you about every show in the network, I, I can't do that. We'd be here all night. But what I can do is give you a taste of one of those shows and say, hey, 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 you might want to go check this out. 
So this week, we're going to talk about On the Bubble Podcast, episode 35, entitled Witchblade, First Wave, and the Dresden Files, plus the role of physical items in fan campaigning. Fans of the Dresden Files sent drumsticks, First Wave fans sent salt packets, and Witchblade fans sent Pez dispensers. But did any of these items move the renewal needle? Spoiler alert, some of them probably did. If you want to find out more about this, go check out On the Bubble Podcast by heading on over to gunnageek.com and clicking on the network button, and you can go check out the latest episode there. By the way, long-term fans of the On the Bubble Podcast, or maybe you haven't seen or picked up the show yet, Josh has done a course correction in the podcast where he's going to be bringing a lot more of his opinions into the mix. And I really like that because he does have some great opinions. Josh, by the way, is from Australia. And if you like a good Australian accent, you got that going for you as well. But Josh is doing some amazing things over there on on the Bubble podcast. And I, I really think that this type of podcast is at the crux of every geek that's interested in television shows because they all come to an end of some sort and maybe they come to a good ending, maybe not, or maybe they get canceled early and you're left with that wanting more. Josh talks all about that on the podcast. Go check it out on the bubble podcast on the gunnageek.com network. That's right. Now that all being said, it is time for us to start wrapping up this latest episode of the Starling Tribune. So to all of our live listeners and viewers who tuned in over at geeks.live, thank you so much for joining us. Also, a giant thank you to everyone who downloads the audio episode from over at StarlingTribune.com or catches the video replay at YouTube.com slash GunnaGeek. If you have an Amazon device in your home, you can enable our podcast as a skill. Also, we have a Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord, where all three of us are pretty active, but Michelle is the most active when it comes to the Starling Tribune channel. So you can check that out once again at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord. And remember, you can catch us live as we record through the summer here, catching up with Legends of Tomorrow at www.geeks.live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern or 4.30 p.m. Pacific. It's the same time. It's just different time zones on most Thursdays. We would love to hear from you. We are the Starling Tribune on Facebook and Instagram, at Starling Tribune on Twitter. And you can call us at 612-888-CAVE. That's 612-888-2283. Well, this brings us to the end of another great episode. Any last words before we sign off? At Stargate Pioneer. Hashtag Torched Chucky. At the Chris Farrell. Hashtag I used to be a barista hoss. And I am at Michelle Ely signing off with Master Chef Gideon. Oracle, I think we're done here. This was the Starling Tribune. You can leave us feedback at gunnageek.com or check out our archive at starlingtribune.com. Visit gunnageek.com for more podcasts. Music by Kevin McLeod can be found at incompetech.com. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, stories, and situations are the property of Time Warner. No infringement is intended. We will see you for the next episode of CW's Arrow. <laughs>